we go. And I'll bring my emotions back down. Good evening. We are starting uh, two lines from the top on Nunvav. We're going to go to the Mishnah toward the bottom of Nunvav and and then we'll pick up from there tomorrow. I think today is the 850th blot of Shas. I believe it's either today or tomorrow. I can't remember which one. Uh, but I marked off in my calendar. Here's what I marked off. Every time we reach like a, a five or zero in percentages, 25, 30, 35, 40. And every time we hit a 50 or 100 mark, I have a, <laughs> these marks in my little uh, booklet. So these what are, are we uh, we're in between 30 and 35. Mm -hmm. making, making headway. We're almost there. We'll either have no hair or more gray hair by the time we get there, depending on who you are. Too late. <laughs> well, Dad, there's a breaking point where you can't have more gray hair. So, uh... <laughs> okay. Yeah, also true. <laughs> Says the Gemara, quoting our Mishnah. Our Mishnah had said, <laughs> that in regards to the different uh, the different possibilities within Tashmash Shamita, that whether or not it was Me'ara, which we discussed is either Nishika or it's Knisas Torah, one of those two forms of uh, Tashmish, that is an equivalent to HaGomer, uh, one who has complete Tashmash Shamita. But what in, is that true everywhere? Like, what? how do we understand this line in the Mishnah? Is it a sweeping comment or is it a limited comment? Is that is a machlokas between Rab and Shmuel. What's that? Is that just being for being over? It's, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the Mishnah is speaking about Yibum, but uh, yeah. If you look back in the Mishnah, wherever it is, what we were discussing, it's Habal Yavimto, Ben We're talking about Yibum, but we'll see applicability across the boards. So, first of all, when is this rule of that Me'ara is similar to Gemar Bia? When is that the case that they're the same? My Kana, what does it mean that you're Kona? So, Rav Amr Kana Lako. He says it's across the boards, it's everything. Even uh, even Ha'ara, even just a minor version of Tashmashamita, but there is some type of Tashmashamita, that's enough for it to be uh, a sweeping type of Kenyan. And Rashi adds, even for Truma, that's going to be important in a moment. Ushmuel Amar, no. Lo kana parsha. The only times that uh, the only time that Ha'ara, that this minimal, what really what Rashi refers to as grua, that's bia grua. It's not considered a full bia. It's just a bia grua. It's a weaker version of bia. When does he say that that is kona? It's only for things that are listed in Chumash about, uh, about this parsha. Lirash benichse achiv in regards to being a yoresh for his brother who passed away because he's the yavam for his brother's uh, finances. Ulepotra min hayibum. And uh, the tashmash amita between the yavam and the yavama that would then exempt the tsara, the second wife, the co-wife would exempt her from any uh, obligations of Chalitza. So even Ha'ara would be sufficient, okay? So now there's two ways to understand the scope and the parameters of this machlokas. Here's version number one. What are we saying about the first husband? That first husband that she that had died and left her as a Yavama, they were fully married, not just Be'arusa, uh, but they were also Benesuin. And if, in fact, she was Benesuin, that she was fully married to the previous husband, the divrei hakol achla, everyone agrees that even after he dies, that she is able to eat truma. Deha havas ka'achla me'ikara. Because before she became a Yavama, when she was married to Ruvain, Ruvain the family is Ruvain Cohen, right? They're all Kohanim. So Ruvain is a Cohen. So she was eating truma with, with husband number one. So when he dies and now she falls by Yibam to Shimon, she can still eat truma. So that's uh, what the Gemara says, that if they were fully married, everyone agrees that she is able to eat truma because she was able to eat it before. Keep ligi, when is there a machlokas, Rav and Shmuel? That's Minha Erusin. Only if in her original marriage to Ruvain, that uh, Rachel, who's married to Ruvain, that they were only Be'erisin. Normally Be'erisin, she does not yet have rights to the truma. So here's the machlokas. Rav Amar Ochelas. Rav says that she still gets to eat the truma, even if they're only engaged. Why? 
Because as our Mishnah indicates, Bias Shogeg is Kemezid. Any form of Tashmashamita is going to count even Ha'ara and even Biyab Shogeg. Biyab Shogeg is just a sweeping term for uh, the types of Tashmashamita that weren't even intended. So here for sure with Ha'ara it was intended. That's Shitas Rav, is that if the husband, if Ruvain, they were only engaged, she's still allowed to eat the, um, the Truma. Ushmol Amar, no. Ki Rabbi Rachmana. When do we say that Ha'ara is going to be an inclusionary type of Tashmashamita? That's the Ukme B'makam Val. That's just a din in regards to Yubum. But there is no extension of Ha'ara, which does generate a Yuvama and a Yavam into a couple. But there's no, there's nothing, it doesn't apply anywhere else. Le'ulme mi Baal. But to make the second husband stronger than the Baal in that with Shimon, she's able to eat Truma. But with her original husband, she's not. Lo, that's not possible. So this is their Machlokas. Again, this is version one of the Machlokas, uh, this version one of understanding Rav and Shmuel. And version one is the Machlokas Rav and Shmuel is in regards to a case where when she was married to her first husband, when Rachel was married to Ruvain, they were only Be'arusa. And Shmuel, who holds that there's a more limited version of the uh, efficacy of this Tashma Shamita, the Shmuel what does Shmuel hold that this is Lashitaso, the Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Shmuel, Kol Shehaba'al Ma'achil, anything where the initial husband would be able to give her food, Yavam Ma'achil, the Chol She'ein Haba'al Ma'achil, Yavam Eino Ma'achil. So that's what the Gemara says, is that if he says that it has to be the same, there can't be a case scenario where the second husband has more power in his relationship with his wife than what than the original husband. So what the Gemara is saying in the name of Shmuel is like this. If Reuven is married to Rachel, if Reuven is able uh, in his marriage, either because they're engaged or married, whichever the case may be, if Reuven's able to give his wife uh, the ability to eat truma, then Shimon can do the same. But if Ruvain can't give his wife the ability to do truma, then Shimon could never be more powerful. Says the Gemara, that's absolutely not correct. And there's an explicit brisa that is against Shmuel. We're a quarter of the way down on Nun Vav What does the brisa say that's very difficult for Shmuel? Bas Yisrael Pikachas, you have a Bas Yisrael who has all of her mental faculties in place. She's a normal person. Shenis Arsa, she was halachically engaged, Lekoin Pikach, to a coin who also had his, uh, he had his wits to him. They were not successful in getting to the second stage of marriage, the actual Nisuin, until unfortunately her husband, the Kohen, uh, was no longer mentally fit. He was now a Cheresh. He's not a Bardas anymore. Says the Gemara, what's the halach in regards to the Truma? If all that happened between the two of them was Erusin, then Eina Ochelas. Then the Brysis says a crazy thing. Mace, if he died, Binafla Lifne Yavam Chadash. And then, if Ruvain the Kohen died after Erisin to Rachel, and then Rachel fell Biyibum to Shimon, Ochelas, she's allowed to eat. So that's very much against Shmuel. Shmuel what? Oh, sorry. Didn't even notice I said that. Mace Vinafla Lifne Yavam Cheresh, then Ochelas. Thank you for the correction. That if, in fact, Ruvain died and then she fell to uh, to Shimon B'yibum, and he is now a cheresh, then ocheles, then halacha is that she is allowed to eat. And then the Brisa says explicitly what Shmuel should dislike. Now we have a case scenario where the second husband is more powerful than the first. But that breaks the rule that we said about Shmuel. Shmuel's line is about halfway up from where we are. But Shmuel what he said that whatever husband one can do, husband two can do. But it can't be that the second husband, that the second husband, the new brother, is more powerful than the first. So Bishlam Mother Rav Nicha, this isn't even a question according to Rav. This is beautiful according to Rav. But according to Shmuel, we do see a case scenario where, where Shimon is more powerful than Ruvain. 
we see that in a case where Shimon is a cheresh, that he is able to, be, to allow his wife to actually um, eat truma, even if he's a cheresh. So Amar Lach Shmuel, about a third of the way down, he says, don't worry. You misunderstood the b'risa, or more accurately, there are some words missing from the b'risa. Let's relearn the b'risa according to Shmuel's lens. So we have this case as it started above, it was similar. This woman who was about to marry this Kohen, they were about to get married. They're already engaged. Until... The the until Ruvain became Nishare, she became a Kheresh. So the halacha is Eno Ochil Batruma. And unlike the Brisa above, which skips to the words mace, here we add in a little bit. But Kanas that if in fact they did get married and only after they got married, she, he became a cheresh, she's still allowed to eat. And then in that case, this is where we apply the rule. So therefore, this b'risa worked out kaftor v'ferach according to Shmuel when you change the case. The way the b'risa was presented originally was absolutely a problem for Shmuel, but he added in a case over here that you're not, he didn't die when you were in a state of, uh, when he was in a state of, Health. He died. He died when they were when they were already fully halachically married. So what's the with that? Well, my says the Gemara. Then, then what does it mean to say that the that the the second brother is more powerful than the first? Because if you change the case, then there's no nothing mechudash about the second brach at all. That's Texas question and answers the Gemara uh, something that we wouldn't have known. That had it been that the baal that her husband was a cheresh meikara that she chose to marry someone who was a cheresh, lo ochelas, v'ilu yavam cheresh meikara, but by yibu meikara, that's not achla, they are allowed to eat food, or they are allowed to eat shuma. So there's a difference between a regular husband who's a kohen and a yavam. That the yavam, the din is that a yavam can be a cheresh meikara and still allow for his wife to eat shuma. But it's not true by a regular husband. Who knew that a cheresh is not a bardas, I, we know people like this, and the, there's there, there's a Down syndrome couples who've gotten married to one another. Are they, let's assume they're a cheresh and a kohen for just a moment. Can his wife eat? That'd be enough kamina. Can his wife eat truma? So it depends. It depends if it's for the sake of yibum, it's allowed, and if it's for a regular marriage, it's not allowed. Very sensitive din. It's a very I mean, like it's not you know. It's How not do to, we allow someone to marry a cheresh? What's the problem? Cheresh is someone who doesn't have his mind fixed. Right, so okay. but still, this question stands. How does it? How does the condition work? Why no? How does it? No, I, I like Gerald's question. How does that work? How do you get married if you're a cherish? Oh, you mean because he doesn't have capacity? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, yeah. cannot make you which is what. But others can be. Others can be You others can be makna the cherish. So let's yeah. say the parents choose to be makna their child, their their adult child who's a cheresh, whatever. It's a good question, Joe. Didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, it's a great question. I was asking a different question with bagels. Don't be humble. That was a great question, Joe. <laughs> you can have a bagel from this morning now that you skipped the. Uh, we got some in the side room. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All of this is version one of how to understand Rav and Shmuel. And here is version two. Version one was that the Machlokas was when they were only engaged. And here's version two. Ika de Amre, halfway down, some say it's a little bit different. Ika de Amre, mino erisin divriya kolo achla. Everyone agrees that if uh, the original marriage between Ruven and Rachel was one where only the Erisin had taken place, everyone agrees lo achla that she does need the truma to halo achla She never benefited from it because she was only betrothed to the Kohen. Kipligi, where is the machlokas of Rav and Shmuel? That's min hanesuin. That's if Ruven and Rivka were in fact fully married. 
Rav Amar, that if they were fully married in the previous marriage, because in her in her first marriage, she was able to eat the truma because she was fully married to that Kohen, to, to Ruvain. Doesn't matter. Even if she was fully married, then when she when Ruvain dies, she loses her rights. When does the Torah make this inclusion of the ability to eat truma? That's when there's bias shoge kemezid, ledvarim ha'amurim beparsha, He says that it's not like, all of a sudden you have permission, carte blanche, like you just happen to be married to Ruvain, who was a Kohen, and therefore when, when he dies and you become a Yavama to Shimon. No, you have to redo the whole relationship, and we'll see soon why that's true. But the Gemara is saying is that there only are specific parameters as to when we say she can eat the truma, even if her first husband was fully married to her. So it says the Gemara, wait one second. Nachman, we saw earlier. Remember, whenever you see an Ika de Amre, you are always going to see the same Mari Makomos flipped on their head. But the Gemara says, Nachman, how can you say that? Shmuel, at the top of the page, in the first version of uh, this Machlokas, Shmuel had said that anything that was true by Reuven would also be true by Shimon. Anything that wasn't true by Reuven wouldn't be true by Shimon. So if that's true, that really we're saying that the Machlokas is in a case of Nisuin, like the version two of the Gemara is saying, then it should be that since Reuven, who was the husband, was able to be Machil, to give her Truma, so Yava Machil, the brother, Shimon, should also be able to give it to her. So how, Shmuel, can you say that that's true? So he actually touches his own line. Ema, it shouldn't say kol shabal machil kol bia shabal machil ba yava machil ba. It depends on the specific form of tashma shamita. The kol bia sheein habal machil ba ein hayava machil ba. He rewires the brayser to be speaking about something different than what we were talking about, and therefore the question falls away. But here too, we have a question on this. In this case, on both Rav and Shmuel, Mesve, the same marimakum we said before. Bas Yisrael pikchas shenis arsa lekoim pikeach. You have a woman who has her mental faculties, who is engaged, halachically betrothed, to a, a Kohen who has his mental faculties. Now, they were about to get married, and right before then, unfortunately, he became a cheresh. The halacha is, she's only an arusa, she's not allowed to eat the truma. The b'risa continues, that if uh, Ruvain dies, and Rochel falls to Shimon, who is a cheresh, ocheles. Ubezu says the Gemara, by virtue of the fact that we see that the Cheresh, that Shimon the Cheresh is able, through marriage, through, through Tashma Shamit, is able to allow Rachel to eat Truma. So therefore, Bezu Yafekach Yavamikach Ba. We see from this Brisa that there's more power in the Shita, in, in, the, in the position of the Yavam, than there is for that of the original husband. Now, Rav could get out of this with the answer that Shmuel gave above. Vishlam other Rav, even though this doesn't really seem to agree with Rav, because uh, the Brisa says, Eino Ocheles. Rav says that she's allowed to be Ocheles because her previous husband was Ocheles. But here we don't see that. Here what we see in the Brisa is Eino Ocheles. How does Rav get out of that problem? He retranslates the Brisa like Shmuel did. He says, the answer that we saw above, that the Brisa wasn't talking about Kolbal, but Kolbiya Shehabal Ma'achilba. So that's how Rav answers it. And the Gemara says, you're right, Kasha, you're absolutely right. So if we were post-Gim, if we were Rishonim, we'd look at this Gemara and say version two has been rejected. And therefore, it seems to be that version one of the Gemara is the appropriate understanding of Rav and Shmuel, and that the Machlokas is where Reuven and Rachel were fully married. Um, sorry, where the, the machlokas is where Ruvain and Rachel were only be'erusin, and in that case, Rav says ocheles, and Shmuel says, nope, it really depends on what we're talking about, that then only applies by Yibum, but not elsewhere. And that brings us to the two dots, three-fourths of the way down on Nunvav Aleph. The Gemara says, Tanu Rabbanam, 
We're going to analyze this case yet again. Really, we're going to add a little bit to it. That Abbas Yisrael, a Jewish girl, who uh, had all of her wits to her, she was betrothed to a Kohen who also had his wits to him. And he unfortunately became a Cherish before they got married. The halacha, as we've seen many times over, is she's not allowed to eat truma. Very unique din. But if nolad la bem, if they had a child, so then the halacha is uh, ocheles, then they're allowed. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi's five lines before the wide line, because her son is the son of a Kohen, and the son of a Kohen is allowed to eat. And therefore, um, and the language of Ya'achilu is he makes her into one who can eat. So if the son can eat because the son's father is a Kohen, then the son's mother can eat because the son can eat. So that's what the Gemara says back inside. We're five lines in the Gemara, five lines before the wide lines. What if the son dies? So he was her portal of entry to Truma. Because the only reason she was allowed is because she had a child. What happens if Rahman al-Islam, the child, has meis haben? Says the Gemara, that's a machlok as tanoim. Reb Nassan Omer ocheles, no problem, he can eat it. Bechachamim Omerim, eina ocheles. And the Chachamim say that if the child dies, she loses her ability to eat the truma. My time at the Reb Nassan. So the Gemara seems to think that Reb Nassan is a bigger chiddush that she's allowed to eat. Why does Reb Nassan say ocheles? Says the Gemara, Omar Rabbah, ho'ol shekvar achla. She's already been privy to having truma. So once she's able to eat the truma, so it seems to be that he's arguing, Reb Nassan is saying that because she once had access to eating truma, therefore, even though that which allowed her to eat truma is no longer in place, her child, which was her portal of entry to truma, even though uh, he's no longer here, says the Gemara, that is an unacceptable answer. If that's true, then let's say that a Jewish girl marries a Kohen, She's allowed to eat truma. But then, umis le techel, shekvar achla. Would we say that if he died, that she's still allowed to eat? It's meant to be read rhetorically, not, not uh, in a flat tone like I just read it. Umis, umis le, he, he died on her techel, shekvar achla. Would we argue that this woman who's a Yisrael, who used to be married to a coin, but he died, she's allowed to eat? That's not correct. Ella, what do we say? Kevan de misle. That once the Kohen dies, the wife no longer has access to it. It's a here too. When the son dies, because her son died, she should no longer be allowed to eat. So the Gemara is questioning the Shita of Reb Nassan. Reb Nassan wanted to say that because she was initially allowed to eat Truma, so even though her son died, they should still be allowed. So how then do we understand Reb Nassan? So at the end of the very first long line, Elo Amar of Yosef, Kosavar of Nasan, that it has nothing to do with the son. He says, just categorically, somebody who marries a Cheresh, they're allowed to eat Truma. We're not concerned about Nisue Cheresh as it relates to Kedushe Cheresh. We're not concerned about anything at all in regards to this. And she is allowed to eat this food simply because they're married. Says the Gemara, if... <laughs> If you're saying that the reason she's allowed to eat the truma is because they're married, then why did you bring in the case of Nolad Lo Ben? The Bryce has said that the reason why she's allowed to eat is because of her child. And then the Gemara, the Gemara says that's impossible. It can't be that Reb Nassan meant that. The Gemara says, you're right. She's allowed to eat that because they're actually married. Says the Gemara, but you just gave me two lines in a Bryce about her son being her portal of entry. Says the Gemara, four lines from the bottom, that she's allowed to eat the truma because she's married to the cheresh. No lad la ben lamali. Why was the Mishnah talking about a case of a ben? The ben is irrelevant. 
says the Gemara, Mishum Rabbanon. The reason why the case was mentioned was in order for us to articulate the sheet of the Rabbanon, says the Gemara. If that's true, the Liflog Rabbi Nassan Alaihu Beresha, then we should have seen Rabbi Nassan argue earlier on in the Brisa. What did the Brisa say? It's a uh, no lad lab. If we look back up at the Brisa, five lines up, there would have been an opportunity for him to argue a little bit earlier. It says, No lad lab ben ocheles. Right there, it should have said that Rabbi Nassan argues, but it didn't. Says the Gemara, yeah, Shavik Lahula Rabbanan at the Messiah Milsaihu, the Hadar Paligalayu. Rabbi Nassan was patient. He was waiting until everybody spoke, and then he rejected everything by saying, I disagree with all of you. Says the Gemara, if that's true, then things should have been in a different order. Ihachi, listening with what should the Mishnah have written, the Brisa, excuse me, the Brisa should have said, Meis haben eno ocheles, at the sheet of the Chachamim first, and then Rabbi Nassan Omer ocheles. If Rabbi Nassan is going to show up every sheet of the Chachamim in the Brisa, Put him at the end so he could be the Machiavapatish and argue on the whole entire thing. So says the Gemara Kasha, that's a very good question. And therefore, we really don't seem to have a clear answer about the Shita of Rib about whether or not if a son dies, the mother who is a non-Kohen is allowed to still eat Truma. Unclear from the Gemara. Our Mishnah had said a couple of blot ago, and as we're at the very bottom of Nanvavamaralif, our Mishnah had said at the beginning of the Perek, achas arayos, it would also be true about all of the other arayos. Let's see what this is talking about. There's something that Rav Sheshes taught us, and the Mishnah that we have over here uh, verifies what Rav Sheshes said. And he brightened our eyes with our Mishnah, which is a colorful way of saying that he brought a beautiful riot. Rashi says at the top of the page, he brightened our eyes. He saw something in our Mishnah. First, let's see what Rav Shesha said. Top line. A woman is violated, a woman who's a Yisrael. Even though it's true that if, God forbid, that a woman is, is violated, she's raped, even though she's still allowed to be with her husband, in the event that she ever divorced or her husband died, she's a Zona as it relates to Kahuna, and a Kohen cannot marry a Zona, even though she didn't want it, and even though it wasn't her interest, but still, she's going to be Psula. If she was married to a Kohen... We're going to discuss that in about a minute. If she was married to a Kohen, it's a very big problem. So it says the Gemara, Vitana Tuna, then what does our Mishnah teach? So says the Gemara, when it says in our Mishnah, V'chein, what's the V'chein? My V'chein. My lab doesn't it mean to teach us that as it relates to a Kohen, it doesn't matter how she was violated, even if it was Ba'ones, he is not allowed to be with a woman who has been Ne'enas, who's been violated. The Katani Pasla, we still see that the Halacha is at its Pasla. Says the Gemara, that's not the correct understanding. Lo, when it says V'chein, it doesn't mean any Tash Peshamita, my V'chein. What does it mean when it says V'chein? It means Aha'ara. It means that if there's even only a partial Tashmashamita, that's going to be considered making her into a zona as it relates to a coin. So says the Gemara, Ha'ara Deman. Wait a second. Is, it, is Ha'ara talking about a coin? What is Ha'ara talking about? And the Gemara says, If you're trying to say that what we're learning out from here is that Ha'ara is problematic as it relates to Arayos, as it relates to this relationship that shouldn't be uh, with this woman, the violation, Are you trying to tell me that after all of this Masechta, you're saying that Yavama, which is like the biggest Chiddush mitzvah in the world, that we learn from Yavama to Arayos about Hara. No way. Adarabah. Yavama Yalfinan me Arayos. We should be learning, uh, we should be learning uh, Yavama from the world of Arayos to Ikar Hara be Arayos So how could you make an applicability, an extension of Hara to other areas of Halacha 
out of Yavama. Our Mishnah says, Halacha by Yavama about Hara, the Chain by Arayos. Says the Gemara, come on, come on, Yibum is the biggest Chiddush in the world. You can't learn out a Chiddush, uh, you can't learn from the case of a Chiddush. So therefore, Elamai Vechain. Therefore, what does it mean, Vechain? Ashalokidarka de Arayos. What we're learning from Yibum to the world of Arayos is uh, about a din of Shalokidarka, that if she was Nana Shalokidarka, that that would still make her um, a zona. Says the Gemara Adarabah, again, same problem. These are dinim that apply by women. You can't be learning them out from Yibum, which is a Chiddush case. Says the Gemara, what then are we talking about? A unique din, a din that the Gemara says is talking about but only speaking about because the case is by our rayos were by and large cases of Chayve Krisa. So we needed to learn the din of Shalokadarka, that even if it wasn't the case of Arayos, that the via Shalokadarka would cause her to be a zona. And now we're going to discuss one of the most um, certainly emotionally sensitive. Uh, difficult halachos that if a woman who's married to a Kohen is violated, that uh, her husband is not allowed to live with her anymore. So says the Gemara, Amar Rav, a third of the way down on Nun Baba Mebez, Eishes Kohen Shenenza, God forbid, a thousand times over, Eishes Kohen Shenenza, Baila Loke Aleha Mishum Zona. If the husband is with her again, he gets Malkos for being with her, out the din of Znus. So the Gemara says, wait a second, it's only Mishum Znus, Mishum Zona in, Mishum Tumalo, there also should be Tuma. So says the Gemara, uh, you're right, you're right, it's two issues. That if a husband is with his wife, if a Kohen is with his wife who was violated, she now has the halachic status of a zona. And the din is that uh, not only does she have the halachic din of a zona, she's also tmeya, or she'll make him tummy. I don't know the answer to that question. Shouldn't be Manzeros. No, I was being under. Was it, it was a Lenox? It wasn't something that she wanted to. Well, I thought you meant she went back to the Kohen afterwards. Right? Oh, no, she went back to the Kohen. I mean, were they Kohanim? Were they? I didn't see anything about a halal, but I don't know the answer to your question. Don't know. Good question. And says the Gemara, a third of the way down, let's ask on this. Quoting the Pasuk, the Brisa says she was not forced. If she's not forced, then she's Asura, Hadnispasa. But if she was grabbed and she was forced into Tashma Shemita Muteres, that's talking about an Ashes an Yisrael. The Brysa continues, there's another woman, even though she was violated, it was against her will, she's still going to be Asura to her husband. Who is that? Says the Gemara, Zo Ashes Kohen. And the Gemara uses this as a question. You said above that you wanted to give him Malkos, that uh, there's, he's violating in a Surah but really, that's not the way the, the Pasuk is learned. The Pasuk says, she was not violated. Uh, she was not forced. She chose. So what we learned from there is that a woman who is a Yisrael who was violated is muteres to her husband. And we inferred from there that a Kohen's wife would be a zona. So says the Gemara, we're really learning it from a place where the Torah speaks in a positive frame where they're able to stay married if it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't on purpose. So says the Gemara, Amarabah, you've got it all backwards. Really, any woman who is violated would be begeder zona. However, that when the Torah went out of its way to speak about an Eshes Yisrael, that when it was not forced, she's Asura, but Hanispasa Muteres, but had it been that she was forced, then she'd be muttered to her husband, Michlal, the Eshes Kohen, Kedekaim, Kaima. 
Uh, the Chiddush is on the Israel. The Chiddush is not on the coin. The coin is exactly like we normally would have thought. In other words, the status quo of a violation of a woman is that she's a zona. The exception to the rules is Israel. So therefore, of course, it should be the case that a Aisha's coin is in a case of, a, God forbid, a woman's uh, a, a woman is violated and she's an Aisha's coin that it should ruin their marriage. Of course, that's true. The Chiddush is that by Israel it doesn't. So again, we're we're lo- looking from a different perspective. And that was all version one of the Din of Rava. And here's version two of the Din of Rava. This will bring us to the Mishnah, and then we'll stop. If the wife of a Kohen was violated, in the previous version, it said, uh, it said Zona first. So here she's going to be violated because of Tuma. So asks the Gemara, Mishum Tuma in, Mishum Zona lo. There's only one problem with the Kohen being with his wife after she's been violated, and that's Tuma. It should also be Zonos. It says the Gemara, uh, Alma beones lo kari bezona. It seems to be that if there's an ones, it's not going to be considered znus. Did I skip a line here? Hold on one second. If that's true, then Alma Beones, right, Beones lo Karina Bezona. So says the Gemara, wait one second. That by an HS Israel, that if she if she wasn't forced and she was intimate with someone intentionally, then she's a zona and she's a sur to her husband. But if she was forced, then the HS Israel can still be with her husband. So here too, we see the Brisa, like we saw earlier, that by a coin, it should be problematic. So how could you say above that line of Alma that maybe that she's not his own? Of course they are. So says the Gemara, Amar Rava, the same answer as before. Really, everyone was in the category of Tuma. Everyone, any woman who has uh, Tash Mashamita would be, who, who it's going to be violated, really should be Tmeya. And And when the Torah went out of its way to speak about an Eshish Yisrael, that if she did was not forced with uh, to be with a man and she was, then that's Asura. And he Nispasa, but had she been forced, Muteris, Michlal, the Eshish Kohen, Kiddekaim, Akaimah, that really the Eshish Kohen is, uh, is going to be Tmeya. So the difference between these two approaches, halachically, it seems to be nothing. The question is just, how we how we look at the primary isra of the Aisha's coin to her husband. Is it going to be just that if he's with her, it's it's that there's an isra of Znus, or is it also an isra of Tuma? Which one is the primary, which one is the secondary? But the halachos appear to be the same. Mirzashem tomorrow night we'll pick up with a fresh mission on the bottom of Nunbabama Bays. Wishing you all a beautiful night.